Shelter, yes. Shelter of all taste. 
how he was serving is what this how the search being translated here. Of all those moonlit autumn nights, so many, many, not just one, which inspire poetic descriptions of transcendental affairs. So the way this is translated makes the autumn nights the shelter of Rasa, which is quite interesting because generally in Rasa understanding, where is the ashraya? Where, who's the, well, who's the ashraya in Rasa? No, Krishna's the vishaya. Unless you're talking about Krishna loving Radha, in which case Radha is the vishaya and Krishna is the ashraya. But generally the ashraya is the devotees. And the moonlight would generally be an udipana, not an ashraya. So that's the question. BBT purport. It is the, this purport is just about the word rasa and kavya. It is difficult to translate into English the word rasa, which indicates the spiritual bliss derived from one's loving relationship with Lord Krishna. That bliss is experienced in the midst of spiritual pastimes with the Lord and his devotees. Shilavishna Chakravati explains that great Vaishnava poets like Vyas, Parasada, Jayadev, Vilasuka, Govamangla Thakur, Govardhanacharya, and Shilavu Goswami have tried in their poetry to describe the conjugal affairs of the Lord. These descriptions are never complete, however, since the Lord's pastimes are unlimited. Thus, the attempt to glorify such pastimes is still going on and will go on forever. So this is hitting into the Kavya Pita. Lord Krishna arranged an extraordinary season of beautiful autumn nights to enhance his loving affairs, and those autumn nights have inspired transcendental poets since time immemorial. So this is going on to the Kavikitan and the Rash Ashraya, that the autumn nights are becoming the shelter for the rasa of the poetry. Evam Shasham Kamsu Virajitan Shavahasa Satchikamo Nurat Balagana Shishesha Atman Yabaruda Shorata Sarva Sharat Kavya Pitana Shashraya. Although the gopis were firmly attached to Lord Krishna, whose desires are ever fulfilled, the Lord was not internally affected by any mundane sex desire. Still, to perform his pastimes, the Lord took advantage of all those movement body nights which inspire poetic descriptions of transcendental affairs. So rather than reading through in their entirety any of the tikas of the acharyas, all of which on this verse are extremely long, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through the different topics of the verse, and for each one I'm going to refer to sections of the Acharya's commentary. And as I don't have a printer, I have to do this on my phone by highlight. I've highlighted the commentaries, and so it will take me a few seconds to point to them when I get to that point. So if you can bear with those brief interruptions. So first we have the, the brilliant moonlit nights. So, this is happening in brilliant moonlit nights. Now, of course, even in this world, brilliant moonlit nights is usually very romantically inspiring. And as we said, usually this would be considered, and deepened, would be a stimulus. And uh, what I didn't do, I, I, I planned to do what I forgot. Uh, Bhaktivinoda Chakur has a really nice song in his Sharanagati with the, uh, the six items of surrender, one of them is to accept what's favorable. Yes, does anyone know the six items of surrender? 
We know that it is also the area where there's most likely to be exploitation, anger, even violence. Isn't it? And why is that? It's because a person has a need that they're depending on another living entity to fulfill. Right? Your Krishnamaras teaches this empathic communication. The basis of it is that we have needs from those needs. Needs mean something you have to fulfill. If you don't fulfill it, there's going to be some negative consequence. That's what we mean by need rather than a want. Right? Everybody understand? Right? I might want a new coat, but I might not need it. Who is that lady who had 1,500 pairs of shoes? So that's not a need. Yeah? So when you have a need that must be fulfilled, then one gets a little desperate if it can't be fulfilled. Does this make sense to everybody? This is why when we're very hungry, thirsty, or tired, we become self-centered. We, we stop having the capacity to care about other people as much. Even Maharaj Cricket, when he was hungry, thirsty, and tired, he kind of lost it a bit. Yes? So when our needs are very strong, if we're really hungry, we're really thirsty, we're really tired, we're really sick, we get so focused on meeting that need that we're not so nice to other people anymore. We become grouchy. And we, we end up wanting to use other people to meet our needs. Hey, can you just say that? I'm really hungry. And sexual desire is also like that. And Prabhupada talks about it as a need. And it's, it's very intense. It's a very intense kind of, of hunger. And therefore, a person exploits another person. I mean, in civilized society, it's a mutual, agreed-upon, you know, consensual exploitation, but it's still like that. I'm using you to meet my hunger. However, if you are self-satisfied, if you don't have any needs, imagine that, if you had no needs. You had no needs. And not like a piece of rock. Not like, you know, a table or something that has no needs. But because you're completely satisfied, so often people think, if I have no needs, it means I've repressed everything, and I've become like a dead person, and people really mess themselves up in spiritual life by doing that. But no, my needs are all fulfilled, and with Krishna, his needs are fulfilled by himself. You can take everything away from it, you can take the infinite away from the infinite, and still the infinite. So there's no needs. And in fact, the devotees also have no needs because they also feel always fulfilled because they feel connected with Krishna all the time. If I'm connected to the infinite constantly, I have no need. Think of it like when your, you know, your phone or your computer is plugged in versus when it's on battery. You understand? When we become disconnected, Bhagavad we turn from Krishna, it's like we're running on batteries. We have a very small battery, like a battery, how long is it going to last? A day, maybe a day and a half, if you have a really good phone. And that's it, then you're going to be running around. Where's that, where's that plug? Where's it? Do you, do you all follow? Mm-hmm. Yes? But if you're plugged in, if you are the powerhouse, <laughs> you don't have to go looking for a plug. So Krishna's the powerhouse, and therefore he's not associating with the gopis to fulfill 
some need like that? And why are they associated with him if it feels to me? Now, if your needs are always fulfilled internally, unlimitedly, then what you're doing is an expression of love. Does this make sense to anybody? So sexual love, romantic love in this world looks like it's an expression of love, but it isn't. I'm sorry. I know it's not something anybody wants to hear, but it's not. It's an expression of hunger. But spiritually, one is not hungry, so it's an expression of love. I think like David said, my cup runneth over. And I think of it like a spring. You know, at the bottom of Radakun, there's a there's a spring. And it's like you have a spring in your heart that's just flowing. So with Krishna and the gopis, it's just this flow. It's just a flow of love that I'm giving just because I care about you. I want to bring you happiness. I don't need you to give me happiness. I am simply wanting to give you happiness. So the devotees are always just trying to give Krishna happiness, and Krishna is always trying to give the devotees happiness. This is Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur. He says, because Krishna's conjugal swords kama with the gopis were not material, Krishna's called satya kama, one whose desires are always fulfilled. Satya means the form of the absolute truth, and kama means pastimes of love. In other words, Krishna engaged in pastimes of love, which are the absolute truth and the source of all pure selfless love. So that's what we're looking for in this world, isn't it? And we're so disappointed when we don't find it. It's such a it's such a shock to us, you know. It's it's like people are like I, I can't believe it's unbelievable, <laughs> you know, because we're it's one of the evidences that we're a soul that we're looking for this type of relationship where I'm loving you out of my fullness, not out of my lack. I'm loving you voluntarily, not that I'm driven by something in myself. All right, the next point is that he's serving the group of the weaker sex who were filled with anuraga towards him. So we have this word about serving. And I hear from Vishnu Chakravati Thakur again. The word shisheve comes from the root save, to serve. This implies that all the nights which were suitable for the rasalila were thereby enjoyed or served in the most respectful way this is similar to the expression, quote, the devotees enjoyed or honored Ma or Sodom, unquote. So I remember hearing a class by Radha Swami when he was talking about this. How when we're taking prasadam, we're serving the prasadam. You know, now we may not always take prasadam like that. We might take prasadam as if we were an animal just trying to satisfy our, our hunger and our taste. But the concept is that the prasadam is the taste of Krishna and we are serving it by eating. So you could say that the moonlit nights as in Deepana were serving Krishna and the gopis. And you could also say that Krishna was serving the moonlit nights. Because not only was, was Krishna reciprocating with the gopis, he's also reciprocating with the nights. In spiritual life, these are all persons. The moon is a person, the nights are a person, all the emotions are personified. And so, if something is in Udipana, it's a stimulus for love, Krishna serves it 
by then having an atmosphere of love in that. If, if you can think about, you know, a mundane example. So let's say we decorate your house for a party. You know, you're going to have a birthday party, so we put up streamers and balloons. And then if you have your party there, you're serving the atmosphere that was created. Does that make sense to everybody? If you don't, you say, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll just have a party outside. Then the person who made all that decoration is going to feel sad. Now imagine if all the decorations were alive. So the decorations, you know, living decorations are coming and fixing up everything. And then you go, man, They'd be sad. So the moon and the nights, the flowers, the birds, the night creatures like the deer. We had for our, our uh, painting in Manashiksha of, of Russell and Krishna's return, the artist wanted to put in cows. I said, no, there's no cows, it's night. <laughs> put in some deer. He's not helping us cows at night. The Yamuna, we just had the previous verse, Krishna, the Yamuna, the Yamuna, the Yamuna, and they all become happy. Krishna's serving. Oh, your nice moon has come out. Let me serve you. And then he's serving the Avalokana, the group of uh, the of the gopis, the group of the girls. And there is, and Prabhupada talks about it in the third canto, how this male and female exists also in reality. You know, in our present life, we're male and female very briefly and circumstantially, isn't it? I'm sure we've all been, any of us who are currently female, I'm sure we've had versus males, and any of us who are currently males, I'm sure we've had versus females. And for some people, they switch back and forth in life. I had one friend, uh, she and her husband went to an astrologer, he said, you've been married for 16 lifetimes, and each lifetime you switch. He was <laughs> So it's not very meaningful. I was just hearing a class this morning with Shiva Prabhupada. He was uh, talking about, you know, we've been asked uh, whether or not we discriminate against women or against black, blacks. And he said, on the spiritual level, everyone is equal. He said, materially, you'll never make everyone equal. This will be a failure. He said, but spiritually, everyone is equal. We just have these different bodies, different bodily construction. So we're not really males and females. It's just the particular body that we have. It's like saying, you know, you are a Prius, or you are a Tesla, or you are a bicycle. But there is a reality of male and female. And so there's this relationship and the females are a Bala. Uh, now, of course, they're actually <laughs> this spiritual potency of the Lord. <laughs> so they're very powerful. But in this, this relationship, where we're just reading the very end of Bhakti Samhita Sindhu, how there's disturbance in rasa if the man acts in a particular way or the woman acts in a particular way, it can cause disturbance in the rasa. If the woman is too audacious, for example, then it causes disturbance in the rasa. Or if the woman is not jealous, it causes disturbance in the rasa. If the man gets very angry, it causes disturbance in the rasa. If the women don't get jealous anger, it causes a disturbance. And if the men, men get angry, it causes a disturbance. Rasa degrades to a rasa, a kind of semblance of rasa. So there is some reality of this male and female and some difference eternally, so therefore they're abalagana. 
And they had Anuraga. So what is this Anuraga? Anuraga is there's varieties of depth and type of love that is different in each of the five primary rasas or the five primary ratis or shaymas. So for example, in Shantaras, in neutrality, it never even gets to prema. It stays in bhava. And some of the, the students were asking, why doesn't it get to prema? I said, because those who internally are in Shantarasa, they don't want the intensity of prema. They, they don't want that. They pull back from it. One variety of prema is called pranaya. Pranaya only exists in friendship, in sakyabhava, and in kanjika, in madhuriva. Pranaya is a sense of equality with the Lord. So in Dasivam, you always feel subordinate, and in Vatsavya, you always feel superior. And then in the parental, they can talk about levels, but they're always in Raga. In Raga, if Krishna likes something, even if you wouldn't normally like it, you love it. And if Krishna doesn't like something, even if you normally like it, you don't like it. And you're willing to give your life for the Lord. So what is this Anuraga, which only exists among Krishna's conjugal devotees. So this is explained in Udhava Mani in 14146. Chapter 14 is about Steinhoff. So this is the essence of the love. And Anuraga is the stage right before Mahabhava. And it is about that your beloved always seems new. Either aspects of your beloved or your beloved as a whole always seems fresh and new. And your love always seems fresh and new. Isn't that what we want in a loving relationship? Right? This is the, the fantasy, particularly in romantic relationships. Oh, look at the 80-year-old couple dancing on the dance floor, and their love is always new, right? Unfortunately, in this world, our love gets old. I always give the example, you know, when your newborn baby's there, all you think about is your baby, is he breathing, is he breathing? You know, my kids are now in their 40s. I'm not always thinking, are they moving, are they moving? <laughs> Call me in love. Like, no, they were newborn. You're waking up. Is he breathing? Is he breathing? I'm not calling my son all the time. Are you okay? Are you It decreases. The intensity decreases. Right? With a newborn baby, you just leave the room and you're thinking about them. Leaving them with a babysitter, you're practically having a heart attack. But again, that decreases. But an anurag is always fresh. So when, when the gopis see Krishna, they often say, Who is that? Who, who is that beautiful young man? And they're like, Do you know him? No, I, I never met him before. And Krishna's like that with the gopis. Who, what is that? A lightning bolt? No. Who is that? I've never seen him before. So that is Anuraga. Does any, any, anyone remember, right, when we looked at the word for word, what was the word with Anuratha? Was what? Constantly. Constantly. Yes, the way it was translated, it was constantly. So it's constantly being renewed. All right, so here we're going to look. Okay, for... 
Okay, so this is Vishnu Chakravarti Though Krishna is the original source of all loving enjoyment, he made the gopis the cause of that enjoyment. So the gopis become the Vishaya. Krishna takes the role of Ashraya. He's trying to please the gopis. Thus, Krishna is described as Anurata Abhavadana, one who followed after the pleasure of the gopis. He's trying to please the gopis. Though Krishna causes everyone's pleasure, he himself was attracted to the gopis for pleasure. Now here, how Krishna Chakravarti Thakur takes Abhava, he said the word Abhava also suggests that the gopis were unmatched in their strength or power to express pure love. So Abhava meaning no one could be as strong as them in their love. What a, what a wonderful way of, of turning that around. So here we see Krishna is so attracted by this constant, ever-fresh love of the gopis that his love toward them is also ever-fresh. Okay, now we have the controversial part. And this is the, the statement of Atman Yabaruddha Sovetaha. That Sovetaha is conjugal bliss, Atma is the self. But we have a problem with this word Avaruddha. So Avaruddha can mean constricted, obscured, or covered, concealed. So there we have in the BBT translation, within himself there was covered, obstructed, concealed, conjugal behavior, which has been translated in the BBT verse as he didn't have any mundane sex, mundane sex desire. Now that reminds us, of course, of situations where the uh, having no form, right? Whenever it shows in the Sanskrit not having a form, and Prabhupada will say that means not having a material form. So Shiva Prabhupada also translates this the same way in his Krishna book. So he's saying, while strolling on the bank of the Yamuna, Krishna recited various kinds of poetry. So that's how Prabhupada's getting the Kavya Kata, that it was Krishna reciting Krishna reciting the poetry. He thus enjoyed the company of the gopis in the soothing moonlight of autumn. Sex desire is especially excited in the autumn season, but the wonderful thing about Krishna's association with the gopis is that there is no question of sex desire. It was as clearly stated in the Bhagavad description by Sukadeva Goswami, Avaruta Solata, the sex impulse was completely controlled. Right? And then he's going to go on to the next section. Alright? But how is it that Vishnu Chakravati Thakur and Sanatana Goswami and Jiva Goswami describe this? As I said, they describe it 180 degrees different. They're looking at the spiritual conjugal rights. So Vishnu Chakravati Thakur says Krishna's mind was completely absorbed in conjugal pastimes during the Rasa dance. Therefore, Krishna is described as Atman Yavaruddha Sovartha. One's mind, Atma, was completely absorbed in everything related to conjugal activity, so like the Such as the erotic emotions, gestures, in, indifference, insults, the Vyavachari bhavs, like perverseness, eagerness, and joy, the Sattvika bhavs, etc. And if we turn to Sanatana Goswami, 
He says, but Krishna is controlled by prema. He has accepted Abhiruta. All acts of love are the most intimate pastime, Sumita. Since he has appeared as avatar for this purpose, he gave enjoyment to the gopis without indifference and with inner determination, Atmani. He experienced everything personally with great attachment by accepting them within himself. And we could talk a whole class about this one point. What do we do with different explanations from different acharyas? So looking at Jiva Goswami, he says his mind, Atmani, was firmly fixed, Abharudha, in all emotions and gestures suitable for amorous contact with the gopis, so this means he could not give him up. The cause of his mental fixation of loving affairs is given there were many women with anuraga. Their cause was anuraga and prema. So here he's explaining how it's a spiritual fix. And in the original Bhagavatam translation in 112, Prabhupada translates Abharuda as fixed up or compact. But Jiva Goswami does note at the end of his Sika, in his commentary, Sridhar Swami explains that Abharuda Sauradaha means, quote, without the influence of material sex desire. Thus, he has given another not commonly accepted explanation of this phrase. So, Sri Prabhupada clearly picked up on Sridhar Swami's explanation, which is also what is picked up here. Then we have. Um, that this was happening sarva. It was happening in all the nights and all the autumns of his Kaishora age. Sanatana so Goswami goes on and on and on and on and on about how this is happening in Krishna's Kaishora age. So this is not a one-off. It's not like Krishna just dances with the gopis one time and that's it. This is going on, although we are ending this pastime today in our classes here in Goloka, this pastime is going on. And the last point is that and this became the shelter of rasa about which the poets speak and discuss. And Sanatana Goswami says, this reference to poetry means works like Gita Govinda and Gita Madhava. So although the description in the Bhagavatam is brief, it's describing one night as if it was many nights, we have so many poets who are taking these pastimes and expanding and expanding and expanding. We have the Anandavindavan Champu, the Gopal Champu, the Vidagdha Madhava, the Gita Govinda, the Govinda Lilamrita. And of course, these things can be expanded and expanded and expanded without limit. And when we relish this poetic description, then we are tasting real rasa. And by tasting this real rasa, we become detached from the perverted, unsatisfying uh, imitation of rasa in this world. Thank you very much. Please excuse my very inadequate explanation of this verse, which could be discussed from now into the end of time. Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai.